This week, I have the pleasure of speaking to David Frangiosa, and he is a high school science teacher from the northern New Jersey area, and he's the co-author of Going Gradeless, Shifting the Focus to Student Learning by Corwin Press. And over the past seven years, he's been performing action research on grade reform and the impact of various instructional approaches. He's also an educational blogger who maintains his own blog at reimaginedschools.com, and he contributes to that site, but then also to the Teach Better blogs, the Student Rubric website, and Teacher Going Gradeless. He's also the podcast host of From Earning to Learning, and we're going to be talking about all these different topics on this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I'm so excited for this interview. I've had a chance to connect with this fantastic leader prior to this podcast episode, and it was such an amazing conversation that I had to get him on the Aspire podcast. David, thank you so much for being on the podcast this evening. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. So David, I have got to know you a little bit, but I would love to hear about your educational and leadership journey. Yeah, so I wasn't always an educator. I was actually a chiropractor before I went into education. When I got into education, I really wasn't a good teacher. And it wasn't until my third district that I started seeing that a lot of the challenges I was having in the classroom stemmed from the way that I was approaching students. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I started pulling at that thread, that kind of led me to understanding that things needed to change. And I wasn't going to wait for the administration you know, because you know all the red tape that happens in schools and trying to get everybody on board. And, you know, so I was very fortunate that I had a very supportive administrative team that trusted me professionally that just said, hey, you know what? We know what you're doing is uh, what you think is in the best interest of students. So go for it. And that led me down a path that I'm still on. I'm still learning every day and learning from a whole bunch of people. You know, I I started to see all the different things that happen systemically in a school and then, you know, individually in classrooms that really impact student learning. You know, I I know the podcast is Aspire to Lead and there's a, a big leadership aspect to this. And so I started to view leadership more as situational Mm -hmm. as opposed to this static, you know, leadership roles or a hierarchy of leadership. And so I started to, you know, share some of that classroom power with the students. And I guess in my mind, every good leader wants to empower the people in their charge to be better than them. And so a lot of the things that I was doing was saying, okay, what are the skills that these students are going to need in order to, you know, exceed me? And so, you know, started pulling out a lot of those threads and learned a whole bunch of things. And really the, the last piece of the puzzle was what was the one roadblock that was getting in the way of my students embracing all of this and taking it and running. And that was great. And that's when we started moving away from that. So 
we could move away from those typical power structures and, and move to that more shared power, more student controlled, student choice. And that's kind of really where I started. And it's something that I'm still working on and getting better at. And, um, you know, each year is better and better. And the experience for my students, it's just unbelievable to see. Yeah. That kind of leads into kind of our big topic here, which is really based on your book, which is going gradeless, shifting the focus to student learning. And I just love this concept because I think it just pushes on just some traditional practices of, of grading, assessment, rubrics, all those things, and which leads into what you kind of talked about, which was the student choice and inquiry. So, you know, for someone who's listening and, and has heard going gradeless and is maybe sweating profusely as they hear those <laughs> terms, you know, what is that all about and how is it different than what we're used to in regards to traditional grading? Yeah, there's a lot of people when they hear that term, it makes their head explode. Uh, <laughs> you know, but hey, I, I think that's a good thing because you know there's some things that we do need to wrestle with. Yeah. So basically, what we're talking about when we talk about going gradeless is we're trying to remove the judgment of letter grades, and we're we're trying to just shift that focus, it, like the tagline says, back to student learning. Mm -hmm. What are the things that they individually need to improve themselves? And it's not about what I want them to do. It's not about what I think is best for them. It's what they self-identify as these are the areas where, um, you know, I'm strong. You know, these are the areas where I could use a little assistance and I need a little more practice. And I'm just giving them the support that they need along the way. And the way that we do that is through descriptive, you know, specific learning targets. Um, and they're, they're not static. And uh, another, another part that I get some pushback on is when I talk about judgment, you know, there, there are people out there that think that you can't be an educator without judging students. And I disagree. And, you know, there's a difference between identifying a need and determining whether that need is good or bad. And so when I talk about judgment, like it really doesn't matter to me where a student is. We all say, you know, meet students where they are. Yep. But very few teachers actually do that because the structures that we have in place, we have an agenda. You know, we need to we need to get through the curriculum well, I have to have this chapter done in two weeks, or I need to finish this unit in six weeks, or, or the test is on this date, so it has to be done. And, and so we push our agenda on students. And so, you know, with this approach, it, it's not my agenda, right? Mm -hmm. The learning happens at the student's pace. We give them control. So the students who excel in a certain area, they become leaders. And it's just like, oh, you know what? Dave needs help with problem solving. Josh, you're really good at that. Can you pair up with him and just kind of show him what you're doing? I, I know you got a good handle on it. And so it helps them practice. They're seeing like, you know, it builds that collaboration in the classroom. And it's not me telling them this is what you're doing well. This is what you're doing poorly. It's really just, okay, where, where can I supplement your learning? Where can I coach you to your next level? And that's really just the whole gist of going gradeless. Yeah. Now, at the end of a semester, at the end of the year, we still put a letter or a number grade on, but the way we get to that looks a lot different. 
we conference, we have portfolios and like our grading criteria is more a framework than a mandate. So it's essentially an alternative assessment, but you're really looking at where students fall within the standards. Well, okay. So this is kind of a a point of contention as well. Everybody looks at alternate assessment and they think standards-based grading and they refer to standards. Sure. And that was the first step that we took. And don't get me wrong, I think standards-based grading is a very beneficial step in the progression to, I guess, a more holistic approach to learning, but it's not the solution to a lot of the systemic problems that we have. It mitigates them and you get more people involved, but it still excludes some of the students who have historically been marginalized by these approaches. So what we're trying to do is move even further beyond that and say, okay, how can we, it's impossible to eliminate, but how can we minimize these to a point where they're easier to overcome, where we can catch the most students possible and give them the best experience that they can possibly have. So when you talk about standards-based grading, standards-based grading is still based on how well you performed something, Mm -hmm. right? So to what degree did you achieve success? What we're doing is more a learning progression. So our verbs are not the same. So we, we look at foundational understandings. So if you're a novice, um, you know, whatever it is, um, if you're a novice at riding a bicycle, right? At first you have training wheels, right? And you learn to just pedal and do all that stuff. And, you know, Right there, I'm just identifying that's the level that you're at. The judgment would be, well, Josh, why are you still on training wheels? We don't do that part of it. Mm -hmm. You say, okay, Josh, great. You're using training wheels. Okay. So now what we're going to try and do is get you a little bit of balance so that we can get rid of the training wheels. Here's how we're going to do that. And then we get rid of the training wheels. And then, you know, so then it's like, okay, now you can stand up and pedal and, you know, so great. Next, we'll try and do it with no hands or like, you know, so there's a progression to it. And, you know, for me, it really doesn't matter where in that progression students are, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that is really the biggest difference between what we're doing and standards-based grading. Yeah. So I like that metaphor, right? Let's let's maybe stick with that. So, you know, we were talking about riding a bike and and the training wheels and you're trying to provide some feedback. So, you know, if someone's going grade list within their classroom, what are some of the tools that you use to make sure that you're identifying the need and, and providing the feedback to the students to get them to the next level? So you need to have clear learning targets. Mm-hmm. You need to have uh, structures in place where um, students understand what the common language is that will be used in class. Um, so how are we communicating about where they are in terms of these skills? How are we communicating about what the next steps are? And the reason we did that is one of the challenges that we ran into is students didn't even know how to ask for help. They'd raise their hand and they'd be, I don't get it. (laughs) It was like, okay, great. That that's fine. Happy to help. What don't you get? Everything. I just, I don't get it. I don't know anything. I don't get it, which we all know isn't true. Right. It's just, they didn't know how to communicate to, to me this is specifically what I need. So we created these learning targets that they could communicate and say, okay, I know how to do that, but this next step, 
that doesn't make sense to me. And so we have those specific things and they're skill-based. And the reason we have them skill-based instead of content-focused, which is another big difference between what we're doing in standards-based grading, is because here we can go over the course of 10 months, right? And those skills, they spiral through every unit that we do. So an example of some of the things that we're looking at, we're looking at, you know, how do students analyze data? Right. How do students uh, construct an ar- construct an argument from evidence? How do they problem solve? Right. And those are things that pop up everywhere. And so we can have an ongoing conversation and, you know, it's not about a redo, right? It's not about getting that content and, you know, okay, you know what? You have another shot at it. What we found was students were perpetually behind these policies that were meant to support our you know most vulnerable learners actually did the most damage to them because now okay you get one retake during class time but everything else is done before school after school during lunch all while you're trying to learn a new topic you know so the the students who were challenged by that topic now have to learn that while learning another topic which topic number one is usually foundational to So it became this hamster wheel of where all this piled up and they're just like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and I've heard arguments for retakes and I'm just I'm not a fan. I tried them. Uh, We did away with them. We reassess. And so with the skill based, it's a more organic type of reassessment where it happens all the time. We write lab reports in every unit. We take checkpoints in every unit. We're solving problems. We're answering questions. So it's not about the content. Mm -hmm. It's about how do you take that content and communicate it in a way that's understood by other people. All right. So I want to ask, I saw that, you know, in the book, there's an accountability checklist. So is that for the students? Is that for the teacher? Whenever you kind of move away from grades, students are so conditioned that, If it's not graded, it's not meaningful. Mm -hmm. And what we found in the beginning, we didn't have a mechanism to ensure that students were doing enough where we had enough learning evidence to uh, really assess where they were in their journey. You know, there's, oh, I, I got plenty of time. I could do it at the end. The last, you know, the last attempt is really all that matters. And we tried to convince them that, no, you know what, if you're not practicing, you're not understanding. If you're not understanding, you're not going to perform to the level that you want to at the end. And so this accountability checklist, it just, it gave them something to say, okay, this is, I have some choice here, right? Because they don't have to do everything. So we do roughly 30 labs in a year. They have to do two per unit, which comes out to, you know, about 14, right? So- if they're rehearsing for the school play or if they have a big game that week or, you know, three other tests, you want to skip the lab report. Great. If that's the exception, not the rule, you know, they have some control over when they choose to skip, but they have to do at least two from every unit. So, you know, if in unit one, they don't do those two lab reports, the conversation becomes, well, I don't have enough evidence to provide you feedback on how to improve. So we're going to need to address this or you're not going to get credit because I just won't have any evidence of learning. 
And so that accountability checklist is really just to keep our conversations going and make sure that they improve consistently. And one of the benefits to that is I teach a lot of the students that have IEPs and 504s. So I deal with guidance and our child study team uh, constantly. And it was a very frustrating experience before I switched to this model because every year in May, they'd say, okay, uh, the student has a D or an F or whatever. How can we get them across the finish line? Nothing about that was about learning. It was just, how do we get them credit? How do we play the game? How do we move them on to the next course? Now what happens is I can go to guidance. I can go to child study team in October and say, look, we're two units in, you know, this student hasn't done any of our lab reports. I really don't have any evidence. We can't have a conversation about how they, where they're at and how they can improve. So here are some things that we need to do now to make sure that they're on track. So those conversations are happening in October and they're all about learning now, as opposed to how do we just get this student credit and everything's transparent with the parents, with guidance, with the student, with child study team. Um, So nothing is hidden. Everything's on the table and our conversations are way different. It's not, well, how come they lost a point or, you know, why is this a B plus and not an A minus? It's okay, great. Here are all the things that this student can do. Here are the ways that they can improve it. This is our target for this time period. And then if other factors come into play, whether that's uh, personal factors, illness, I've had students that have had dyslexia. And so, you know, my framework gets adjusted for those students because, you know, it's not their fault that they can't do things in the same time frame as other people. So we, we just adjust accordingly. And so everything we do is really just a flexible framework. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so, you know, it's started of the year for most folks within the next couple of weeks. And I know a lot of folks are going to standards-based grading, and I know some people love it, and others are like, this is not for me. It sounds like that was a similar process for you. So, you know, if they're looking at making a change, what are some first steps that they can do just to kind of prepare themselves to make this shift? Well, every district is different. Every state is different. And there are certain things that I'm allowed to do here in New Jersey that people in other states are not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain things that I'm allowed to do in my district that other districts in New Jersey don't allow. But the one thing that everybody can do, we can change the way that we talk about students. Mm-hmm. We have to stop saying that's an A student, that's a B student. Like if you're using standards-based grading, oh yeah, that's three work or, you know, yeah, they're proficient or we have to stop talking about students and labeling them with whatever label you have, right? right? That is not who they are. That is what happened on an assessment. When we change the way that we talk about students, we change the way that we think about students and that changes the way that we interact with students. And so regardless of what you do with any grading policy, regardless of what you do with any instructional design, change the way that you talk about students. That's true, because it it makes a huge difference in the lives of our students and how they perceive themselves as as learners. So 
I think you're just doing fantastic work. And uh, I want to talk about a couple projects of yours. First off, your your podcast, From Earning to Learning. I want to know the origin story of, of <laughs> this project. And, you know, for folks who are looking for more information, what is that podcast all about? Sure. So From Earning to Learning, I was sick of students just trying to earn a grade. And I really wanted to shift their focus to uh, the act of learning anything. So that's kind of where the title came from. You know, the, the podcast, I I have some solo episodes. The solo episodes, I try to keep the five to 10 minutes. And it's really just little instructional tips or how I approach portfolios or how I approach developing a learning progression, um, you know, things like that. The learning language, how, how we do all that stuff. I have some guests on. I've had some incredible guests uh, from all different aspects of education, from equity to neuropsych. I mean, it's just been such a learning experience for me. I have a pile of books uh, just <laughs> just from the recommendations of all my guests. So uh, I'm kind of backed up on my reading, but that's been the most fun for me. And I, I know you said it before, is just talking to all the people who come on. Yeah. Uh, I've learned a ton from them. It's really just how can we better serve our students and just make education more accessible to all students and when I say make educational accessible for all, I don't mean, you know, just students who have IEPs or 504s. When you talk about students who have ex historically excelled in school, they're still missing something because, you know, they're not being challenged in a way where they're developing either. They're playing the game. Oh, so sure. how can we how can we give students throughout the entire spectrum of education, a good experience. And that's really what the podcast is about and how we approach that, you know, and you can find that wherever you get your, your podcasts. Yep. Uh, I also have that uh, linked on the website uh, in my blog section, the blog I'll be starting up again in September, you know, and same thing. Like I expand on all these different ideas. You know, if people have suggestions, if people you know have questions about what I do, sometimes it sparks an idea where I'll just expand on it and say, that didn't make sense to you. Okay, uh, here's some examples. Here's how I do it. Here's what it means. Um, and just try and expand on things there. Yeah. So I'll definitely have links in the show notes for everything as far as your book, the blog, the podcast. So, you know, if you're interested in learning more, I definitely uh, want you to click on the link and learn more about what David's doing. And I want to end it with this, man, the actual item. I, I love asking this question of all my my guests, and that is for aspiring and current leaders, if there's something they could do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would that be? Understand that you don't know everything, <laughs> right? And, you know, there are people in the room who do something better than you ever could. Find them and let them shine. Yep. You said it before. It's not about title, right? It's about influence. No. All right, buddy. So if folks are looking to connect with you on social media, how can they do that? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I think that's Dave Franjosa. But the best way to get me is on Twitter. Twitter is at David Franjosa. That's where where I'm at. I'll respond. DM me. You know, connect with me. I'm happy to talk. Uh, I do a lot of Zoom meetings with people that I, I've met through twitter so um, i'm happy to expand on any of this reach out also too i want to ask like if someone is wanting to change their grading system and, and potentially need help in that you know is there a email or a website that they can go to 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 connect with you outside of social media 
So if they go to reimagineschools.com, you can click on the link right there. There's an email where they can get in touch with me. Um, they can get in touch with me on, on Twitter and, and DM me. And I, I'd be more than happy to help anybody looking to go this way. Awesome. David is a huge resource, so make sure that you're taking advantage of that. Connect with him. And again, if you have any questions, he is more than willing to help you with this topic in grading and assessment. Like I said, he is fantastic. I want to mention real quick that David and I will be at the Teach Better conference here October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio. So if you're interested in registering, make sure you go to teachbetterconference.com to sign up for your two-day registration. And if you use the code ASPIRETB2022, that'll give you $50 off your two-day registration. So make sure you are signing up and joining us for the Teach Better Conference. We can't wait to see everyone. David and I are both going to be speaking. Of course, I'll be on Podcast Row with about 13 to 15 different podcasters. And of course, we're going to have hundreds of different speakers and events. And I just can't wait to see everyone. So make sure that you sign up again at teachbetterconference.com. It is always a joy to speak with you, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Thank you for having me.